Because if there's one thing that I've grown to understand and appreciate is that even if a person leaves, the lesson stays. And welcome back to another episode of Listen Sis, where I am the G spot for your ears. And today we are dishing out some hard truths and some helpful messages on a silver platter so that you can be inspired and empowered to keep pushing forward through the bullshit. I hope you're ready to level up because it is all coming for you now. I'm your host, King AB, and apparently. I'm some kind of fucking abomination that has fallen off the face of the earth here lately. And welcome to today's Come to Jesus meeting. It has been a fucking minute, y'all. I am so, so, so sorry. I cannot tell you how apologetic I am right now. But before we move on here from the jump, I just want to say that I hope everyone had a great Derby Day and a wonderful Mother's Day or birthing person's day, because that's what we're supposed to be calling it now to be PC. But anyway, I know the majority of my audience is female, and I even have a few really cool dads out there, which I think is fucking awesome. But regardless of what kind of mom you are, whether it be a new mom, a single mom, a legendary mom, a Mr. Mom, someone who is wanting to be a mom or who is missing their mom or who is trying to be the mom for themselves that they needed when they were little. Whatever kind of mom you are, I truly hope that you feel appreciated and have felt appreciated this past Mother's Day and every day because I certainly appreciate you. There are a lot of you guys out there, (laughs) like a lot. And there, there are a lot of you that look out for me, which I think is really cool because you're like my social media moms and dads, which is so awesome because I have my real life mom and stepdad who have my back, but I get you guys too. So I hope you know that I am so, so grateful that you're here. Speaking of Mother's Day and my mom, my mom is the bee's knees, y'all. The bee's fucking knees. She is a tough love kind of mom. And you know, growing up, I hated it. I absolutely hated it growing up. Um, I was an athlete, believe it or not. And basically the moment that I was born, like straight out of the womb, my mom and dad had a basketball in my hand. I'm pretty much convinced that I was born right-handed, but my mom and dad wanted me to be a lefty so I could have that competitive and athletic advantage. (laughs) You cannot convince me otherwise. But I was brought up in an environment that was competitive and that was reinforced by, you know, this is going to make you better because you have every capability in the world to be great. And that was like the attitude for everything from school to sports, relationships, friendships, family, everything that that was the kind of attitude. And we were going to grow one way or another. Like my mom may have had to drag me by my toenails, but we were going to grow. Now, don't get me wrong. Please do not get me wrong. My mom and I 
are the same person. We are a lot alike. We have very, very big hearts and we love and we love hard, but we're not going to coddle or settle (laughs) for anything other than the best uh, for the sake of feelings. You know, feelings, they are important, but Growing up back then, they weren't as important or as, you know, critical to everyday life as they are now. I get that. That just comes with, you know, the evolution of society and, and the culture that we have today. But back then, you know, facts don't care about your feelings kind of thing. And I hated that growing up, but I am so, so thankful for that now. I have never been more more grateful and thankful for a mom who taught me how to be better, how to do better. She taught me how to be scrappy. She taught me how to never settle and to work my ass off for the things that I want in life and to never have to rely on anyone for it. Like my mom, whenever I talk about you know, having to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Whenever you're going through a hard time, the only person that's going to be there for you in the end is going to be yourself. Whenever I speak of those things, it's because that is what my mom has taught me. And I am so thankful for that. I cannot imagine. I literally cannot imagine not being this person. I cannot imagine being anyone else. And I have my mom to thank for that. Most importantly, what she has taught me is to always, always, always speak up and stand up for anything and everything and everyone. I am growing more and more appreciative of that now, more than ever, especially now that I found my voice, now that I have an audience and a platform that I can give a little tough love to as well. So. Every Mother's Day is starting to become more and more special to me. I'm starting to really appreciate my mom and all of the tough love and tough lessons that she taught me growing up because she created this monster, (laughs) y'all. It is her fault. But I wanted to say all of that to say this, that on this past Mother's Day, which this happened a little bit uh, last year, but this year, this Mother's Day, I received so many DMs and emails and messages from you guys asking me to pass it along to the quote unquote king mother. Uh, You guys wishing her a happy Mother's Day and thanking her for making sure that I got all the tough love and all the tough lessons so that I could share it with you. And I did share some of those with her. And I just want to say thank you for doing that. It meant so much to her. She was very appreciative of your kind words. Honestly, I think maybe she might have liked your words more than she liked my funny card that I got her. (laughs) Buying cards is kind of stressful for me. So I always go for the funny one. Also, all of your messages kind of validated that I wasn't completely full of shit. So thank you from me as well. I'm guilty as hell, guilty as hell, or at least I feel like it because I know that I've been MIA lately and I've been leaving you hanging for like weeks. The thing is, is that I have not been in the right headspace or I've had the mental or emotional energy to sit in my closet for hours and hours on end alone, talking to nothing, just just talking because By the time that I get home, I'm all thinked out. I'm all talked out. I'm just like a body. 
I will sit on my couch without even changing out of my work clothes half the time just to sit there in silence in the dark trying to decompress. Like there were some nights or most nights actually where I would skip dinner. I would just sit there and I wouldn't even eat because the thought of cooking and then having to clean my kitchen or ordering out to the same like five places that will deliver to my apartment. Again, just just having to think about that was so depleting that I would rather just go to bed or try to go to bed and eat a breakfast in the morning. Like I would go to Starbucks in the morning. That That's where I've been. Like I've had a lot going on and I know I say that a lot, but but shit has hit the fan here lately. But I've had a lot going on and thankfully most of you are understanding and are aware that I have many irons and many fires. Hell, we we all do. I know. I get it. We all do. But personally, I'm still learning how to juggle it all. I'm not doing very well at it, but I'm still learning how to balance being there for you. And, And there are a lot of you. And that is a priority for me is being there for you because I know what it feels like to feel alone in your own corner. I'm learning how to balance being there for you while also being there for myself. And I feel guilty for it. Even though I know I shouldn't, I do feel guilty for it. And maybe guilty isn't the right word, but I think I think I'm more disappointed. I thought that I could handle it all. I thought that I could be this like superhuman that could juggle three or four growing social media platforms and handle all the messages and a podcast and merch and a website and then focus on my career and climbing the corporate ladder and then focus on myself and then still be able to be there for my family and my friends and dating. I'm dating again, which we're going to talk about that for episode four, but I thought that I could do all of that. And I think I'm just disappointed in myself. I think I'm embarrassed because I wanted to do all those things and I failed or I feel like I failed. And and failing doesn't sit well with me. Remember the whole athlete and competitive environment spiel I just gave? Yeah, ding, ding, ding. That's that's where we're at. I don't like feeling like I'm losing. And I know that that's because I put a lot on my plate and I set high expectations for myself. And I'm trying not to complain about that because if that is my goal, if my goal is to eat, I can't complain about having a lot on my plate. I'm just learning how to fit it all on there right now. (laughs) So I do apologize. I want you to know that I feel horrible. I do feel horrible. But now that we're getting back into the swing of things, I'm not saying that I'm going to have something out every week, but I am saying that it won't be another month before another episode comes out. I promise that. Actually, episode four will be split into two parts, I think. I didn't mention this earlier, but we're actually recording episode four live on TikTok. So I'm doing a live right now as we're recording. There's about, uh, I don't know, 200 people that are in the live, but our reach is anywhere between four and 6,000 usually. So it does make me feel a little less alone. I think I'm going to try doing this more. I think it kind of helps me kind of move through things a little quicker, kind of have an expectation of having people there and having an audience that maybe I think it will help me (laughs) come sit in my closet more often. (laughs) I don't know. I'm willing to try anything at this point. 
But now that we're getting back into the swing of things, I just want you to know that I I am very apologetic um, and I feel awful for it. But I'm not promising it won't happen again, but I'm going to try my best to prevent it from happening again. As always, just a few housekeeping items before we officially dive into episode four. I know there was a little bit of a lengthy intro before (laughs) we got to everything else, but I really felt compelled to get all of that out there to you. I thought that it was important. But as always, I will put the timestamp and show notes for you down below. That way you don't have to sit through the quote unquote torment of me talking about myself on my own show because that is a sin, apparently. But I will put all those in the show notes for you and some additional things that you may need or want to reference to for later, especially if you want to come back to the episode and hear it again in the future. Two quick things before we officially get started. Number one is we do have new merch out. If you are not aware or have not uh, gone and looked at the new Spring King AB merch, y'all, it is fucking amazing. Now that we got the first launch out of the way back in February, I got all of those jitters out. And so I was more, I played a more active role in the April launch of our merch. And it's been really exciting for me. I, I was fully aware of all the different shades of black and beige this time. So I knew what I was getting into. If you haven't checked that out yet, please do so. Um, we have some stuff for spring and summer like beach towels and ball caps and brewmate. Uh, second thing is rate and review. I feel horrible asking you to do that, especially after I've been out for a while. I've had a prolonged absence, unexpected absence from the show. If there's something that I've learned, especially after taking a step back, is that people daily are introduced to the show. They, they've never heard of me. They've never heard of Listen Sis. They're hearing everything for the first time. I mean, there are some people who are listening to episode one today. The only way that that happens is by rating and reviewing the show. So that's how you gain an audience. That's how you reach more people. And even though you've heard all the episodes before and you've learned something from them and you've gained something from it, that doesn't mean that somebody else can't learn something today. So if you feel inclined to do it, if you haven't done so already, please write and review the show. But be kind. Please be kind. Because if one more person tells me to off myself in a review, I don't know what I'm going to do. There's a time and a place for everything. And that's not it. Please be kind. If you feel compelled to do that, I would really, really appreciate it. And future listeners will appreciate it as well. All right. Finally, on to the actual content of episode four, which I'm pretty certain is going to be broken up into two parts. I can't say for sure because there's really no telling where the fuck this is going to go. But it's something that you guys have been pestering me about forever, for absolutely ever. And whenever you ask me to talk about this, I just ignore the question altogether. I just don't even acknowledge that it's even there. I have been avoiding this topic with every fiber of my being because I am very, I, I'm very uncomfortable right now. I'm not quite sure that there is enough bourbon in the entire state of Kentucky that would make me want to actually talk about this, but I'm here to give the people what they want. So today we're, we're going to talk about relationships, specifically mine, which sounds like a great time for me, but that's, that's what we're going to do, I guess. But AB, old AB here, started dating again recently. I guess I felt like it was time to start ruining men's lives. 
again, thought I'd pick up that hobby on the side. And let me tell you what, let me tell you what, it's like a damn jungle out there. And I'm not just talking about the haircuts, okay? I'm straight up not having a good time. Like the guys that I've been coming across on the various dating apps that I have, which are decreasing every day, because after so many bad swipes, I just throw the whole damn app away. More recently, what I've done is I've been, and I've been sharing this on my Instagram stories, is I've just been dropping my pin, my like location on these apps to different cities in the country because I'm convinced, like you cannot tell me that the guys that I'm seeing in my 200 mile radius, you cannot tell me that that is it. That cannot be it. So I've been dropping my pen in all these various locations throughout the country. And I'm just, I'm just baffled at this point. Like I simply do not understand. A couple things stand out to me is Alabama and Arkansas. Why do, what the fuck? Why does everybody have mullets there? I'm not even kidding. I just, I, I gave Alabama like a day and I gave Arkansas like maybe half a day and I couldn't do it no more because the mullets, the mullets were just, why? And then I was like, well, let me go to D.C. What's in D.C.? I don't know. Let me tell you what's in D.C., sis. A bunch of men, guys in onesies, like specifically the unicorn and the alligator and the shark onesies. They're, they're just everywhere. I don't I don't know if if that's an up and coming fashion trend, but I will not participate in that. So then I moved to Boston. I was like, Harvard's there. Maybe I can find me a Harvard guy. That sounds pretty great. I could have just imagined being in Boston in the fall. Um, no, that's not happening because you know what's in Boston? A lot of fucking jorts. A lot of jorts. Like I don't understand why why? Just why? I just don't understand why. So that's what I've been dealing with lately. It's very interesting. And I've been like noting all of this on my Instagram a little bit, but sometimes I'm just like, this is too embarrassing for me to even say that I dropped my pen here. I'm currently in Savannah. I had high hopes for Savannah, Georgia. That's not turning out well for me either. There's a lot of handlebar mustaches, which was surprising for me. That was, that was a turn, but that's where we're at right now. But anyway, so regardless of what city I'm in on these dating apps, like I will either come across someone who is emotionally unavailable. I'm like, hey, like this guy, like, yeah, I could give him a shot. We'll talk a little bit emotionally unavailable or or their main profile picture or their main photo, like the first photo that you see on the app is of them holding a fish or they are flipping off the camera. Like at our age, I'm 29, okay? So at our age, what on God's green earth could you possibly be angry at? Your credit score or the horrible fucking haircut that you have? Like I don't I don't know how people are dating in the world that we live in today. I simply do not understand it. I really don't because it is absolutely exhausting because there may be one and I mean one good egg out of a million where all of those others that you come across, they're they're simply like the penicillin resistant syphilis of what I am looking for, which also while I'm thinking about it, while I'm thinking about it, I saw this video on TikTok the other day and it has been living in my mind rent free ever since. And I don't remember who it was that posted it, but anyway, just imagine this. Imagine this. Women posing with their vibrators, like the guys that are posing with a fish, like their catch of the day. 
why don't we start that trend? Like, I'm not saying it's going to be me and I'm not saying I'm necessarily going to participate. I will support, but I don't know if it would look good on me in my career if I participate. But I'm saying if somebody else wants to start that bandwagon, I will highly, I won't hitch my horse to it, but I will ride alongside you because I think that would be fucking awesome. Anyway, back to what we're going to talk about. So if you have been following me for a while, or even if you're new here, which hi, hello, welcome. I hope I haven't completely scared you off yet. You may know that my past relationships and the story behind how I got from point A to King AB is not something that I really share much about. I mean, I talk about it, but only like on the surface level. Like I'll give you a bullshit blanket statement that addresses your question or your problem. Kind of like, oh, I totally get that. Or I know exactly what you're saying because I've experienced the same thing. Then I immediately will pivot and move on to the growth part of it. You know, like the pull your yourself up by your bootstraps part because the backstory is something that I ignore with every fiber in my being because I would rather I would rather give off a message of hope without any context of the mess that came before it which that's not really fair and I get that which even today even today I still won't talk about it all in detail because that's like my own personal and private story that I will probably keep bottled up (laughs) for as long as I possibly can. But also because I promised that I wouldn't talk shit about my ex who we refer to as John um, here if you if you weren't aware. And I've I've tried to do that as much as possible. Now, I can't do shit about y'all reading between the lines. I think you're intelligent people. I cannot do shit about that. I'm not going to talk shit about him. But at the same time, the story itself sort of makes him look like a shitty person. So it's like a catch-22 for me, like damned if I do, damned if I don't kind of situation. So I try to tiptoe around it. I try to be delicate. But you know, I don't know. I don't know. I do the best I can. But the only other time that I've talked about my last relationship, my relationship with John publicly was with one of my really good friends, Ephraim, on his podcast, which is called The Ultimate Shift. That is actually that episode is actually broken out into two parts as well, because there's just a lot. But I highly suggest you check that out um, on his platform, The Ultimate Shift, and also check him out. He's a looker, ladies. Have you ever met? someone that just makes you thank God that he allowed your paths to cross. And and that's Ephraim for me. So if you haven't heard the story about Ephraim and I, we actually met when I was like in high school, I think, Um, or maybe a little bit. I'm actually, I'm pretty sure it was high school. So he's not from the same hometown as me, but he grew up there. And um, it's a very small town, very country bumpkin town. And Ephraim is actually ex-Amish. And so that's how I met him was because my high school boyfriend at the time, like everybody does in a small town, everybody, you know, dates everybody from the same city or village, if you want to call it that. (laughs) I talk a lot of shit about my hometown just for comedy purposes, because nobody expects me to be from a very small town, uh, but I actually really do do love where I'm from. But I was dating this guy in high school. And what we would do is we would go to Walmart and buy like the go phones that had the prepay minutes on it. And we would sell it to the Amish. And so that's how I met Ephraim was through 
that old boyfriend of mine because we would sell the cell phones to them. So that's how I know Ephraim. And then we ended up connecting again and uh, we hang out. We go grab dinner and drinks. He's a bourbon fanatic like I am. And that's actually the first time I think I ever publicly talked about my heartbreak. So highly suggest you check that out. But Ephraim is probably one of those few people that I like thank God for daily. I don't know if if God is your thing, but he's my thing. Uh, Please don't take offense to that. But he is. And he's one of those people that I'm just so grateful and thankful for because we share a lot of the same perspectives, especially about how we bounce back. And honestly, we share the common feeling of just how badly we want to prove people wrong about us. But most importantly, like most importantly, Ephraim has helped me understand that in life, it gets a little lonely sometimes when you're getting your shit together. And when you're in a position to choose growth over company, you must choose growth every fucking time. And when you do, better company will follow. And that is something that I have really come to grasp with Ephraim. He's helped me understand that. And so thank you, Eve, for making me feel less alone, but for also helping me get my story out there. Because this is a concept that I've applied now in my dating life is that, you know, if I continue to focus on myself to not lose myself as I'm dating, as I'm starting to develop some relationships with people, as long as I still focus on my growth and not lose my way, then better company, better people that I might be suited for, better uh, be matched with, they will follow. I just hope that better company (laughs) that follows me uh, as I'm focusing on my growth, I hope somewhere in there, there is a single person, a single man that falls in love with me. (laughs) Nonetheless, today we will be talking about dating and relationships, which is something just as a general topic that I've been avoiding here lately. Even now that I'm dating again, it, it almost feels like If I don't acknowledge that it's even happening, almost like if I don't see it, then it's not there. But at the same time, I like want it to be there. It's weird. It's weird. But for me, the thought of potentially being close to someone again is absolutely terrifying. Like it is it is probably one of the scariest things that I'm having to face right now is potentially developing a a relationship with someone being close to someone again, because the last time I opened myself up to loving another person and sharing my whole heart with them, hell, I I shared a home with them. Okay. I was annihilated, sis, like completely destroyed because the last time I opened myself up, it's like, it's like someone let a bull run through the damn China shop and then told me to deal with the mess. The China shop. God, that delicate fucking place. I used to be delicate. I was a pristine China shop. Hell, I was the crystal at Tiffany's that sits on the top shelf that only special important people get access to. I, as the marvelous Mrs. Maisel says, I love that show, by the way. But as she says, I was a damn delight. I smelled like roses and sunshine shone out my ass, okay? But I was. I was delicate. I was fragile, but in a good way. 
I, I was I was wrapped up in this pretty blue box tied perfectly with a signature white ribbon. But the thing about being delicate is that, you know, that high dollar china and that expensive crystal from Tiffany's, they require a certain level of care. They require people who actually want them to go into the store and to purchase them and to take care of them, to protect them. And and the fragility of those pieces, they require that protection. Hell, some of them even require an insurance policy, sis, okay? And not everyone has that. And you are a damn fool if you think a bull gives two shits about the value of expensive china or priceless crystal if you are in their path. Like they do not care because they will continue chasing after whatever red flag they're after only to find some ugly guy and a funky looking hat on the other side of it. Like, sure, you think it's crystal, but it's the it's the Walmart version. It's the Walmart version of you. It's the knockoff. It's, you know, the plastic or acrylic sets that look like crystal, but they're only a dollar and they're shatterproof. They don't require any any work. They don't require any effort. They're just there and they're replaceable. China shops, Tiffany's, you know, Swarovski crystals, whatever it may be, there is a certain level of risk and the potential of devastating loss in those types of businesses. And the same is true with people and relationships. The business of coming close to someone is also a place of risk. And and it's also the place of devastating loss because it, it requires tremendous vulnerability. And when you feel like you've been doing it wrong. When you, when you feel like you've been doing vulnerability wrong or you've done it wrong in the past, it can be deeply humiliating and wounding. And letting your guard down and opening yourself up to someone and being vulnerable with them, that takes courage. That takes balls, okay? But in a way, when you're being vulnerable, you're having to kind of lessen yourself in a way, which maybe that is a that is the worst way to phrase it. But you're having to break down those bricks in this giant ass wall that trauma and loss have built in order to let someone in. Like, sure, I get it. You you can make the argument that, you know, someone needs to be willing to climb that wall. But that's not really a fair argument if you keep looking for excuses to add bricks to it. Right. You can't really say that that someone needs to scale your wall if you just keep making it harder for them to do it, right? Allowing yourself to be vulnerable and willing to even let someone try, that's difficult for me. That's hard for someone like me to trust that. And when you've experienced tremendous heartbreak and trauma, allowing yourself to be exposed in that way, it feels like you're a sitting duck. Like you are one of those delicate shops that sit right in the middle of the streets in the run for the bulls. And that's where I'm at right now. And it's going to take someone really rare and really patient for me to want to position myself in a place of liability again. Like I'm still that crystal sitting on the top shelf at Tiffany's, but there just happens to be a very thick vaulted door made of steel and a security guard that is standing between you and I. And I'm I'm totally cool with that. I'm perfectly okay with that. 
in a way, I've always known that this was going to be the case for me. I've seen it coming. The whole refusing to let my guards down kind of look that I've been trying to make work for me for the past couple of years. I I knew it was going to happen. And up until recently, I've been really pissed off about it. I've been angry at the fact that I've allowed one heartbreak, one failed relationship, one person to hurt me in such a massive way that I'm calloused to the sheer thought of even being susceptible to that again, to be vulnerable again. And I've been I've been mad about it. I've been angry. But the thing is, when we were younger, whenever we were little, we were taught the primary emotions. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you angry? Are you tired? But I don't think now, as I've gotten older, I don't think that anger is a primary emotion necessarily. This didn't really occur to me until recently whenever I was talking to one of my girlfriends who was dealing with a fuckboy that did something very, very stupid. And she kept saying, I'm just angry. I'm so fucking mad. I'm pissed off. And I kept saying, you know, why? Why do you feel this way? Then it just all kind of clicked with me because usually when we say that we're angry, it's like a mask. It's sort of like this defense mechanism that we have over something else that we're not even acknowledging, like we're hurt or we're feeling sad or we have pain and fear or we, or we feel humiliated. All of those feelings that make us feel vulnerable and people don't like to feel vulnerable. So we just say that we're mad. We just mask it with anger because it's easier to say that we're angry and pissed off about something than to acknowledge the underlying feeling to acknowledge why we're feeling that way. And for John and I, I'm not angry. I'm not angry because we're not together and I'm not hurting because I miss him. That's not it at all. It's it's none of those things. But what fucks me up and what continues to fuck me up to this day is not that I've been angry, but the underlying feeling of disrespect. That's what I've been feeling. And that's what's got me so fucked up is because I thought I meant more to this person. I was made to believe that I meant more and I wasn't, I guess. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't just talk about getting married and having a family and where your kids would go to school and walking through plans and ideas for building onto the house that you were living in together. You don't just talk about those things with just anyone, right? Or, or do you? And I've just been doing communication all wrong. Am I that oblivious? And, you know, shit happens. Things end. No one has to give you an explanation for shit. I get that. But here now, two years later, uh, which is a long fucking time later, I'm having trouble dating because of how worthless I felt. That disrespect was enough for me to not ever want to put myself in that position again. At least I felt like at the time, no. No, let me correct myself. I know that I was worthy and I am still worthy more of just abandoning like that. And that is where I'm still not okay. To this day, two years later, I'm still not okay with that. Because how am I supposed to look at love the same ever again? 
how what the fuck was I supposed to do? Because within the same breath that someone told me that they loved me, I, I was dumped off in an empty apartment with with boxes and all of these ideas and hopes and plans that keep in mind that I did not conjure up out of thin fucking air all alone, you know? It's not like I just thought about these conversations and these plans and they just came straight out of my colon into my brain because they fucking happened and they were serious and they weren't just like in passing. No, like our families were involved. Then it just all went to shit like immediately. And I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. I was alone. I was literally abandoned. And I had all of these broken pieces of China and crystal to glue back together while the other half of my heart just drove off after they said that they loved me and they hoped to see me again. Like, how in the fuck am I supposed to view love as some happy, wonderful thing that I would ever want to do again if the only person that I have ever truly loved did that to me? Two years later, which I'm embarrassed to say I'm still dealing with, but two years later, I'm still trying to glue all of those pieces back together by myself. And listen, sis, crystal doesn't break. It fucking shatters into dust. And that is one of the things that is the most scarring for me. And why I've had so much trouble moving forward is the abandonment and that feeling of worthlessness. Like I literally felt like I was just thrown away. And what in the hell was I supposed to do in that moment? What else am I supposed to think? I've said this once before, twice before, 50 times before, and I'll say it again. I would have chosen him. I would have chosen John in a million lifetimes, and he couldn't even choose me in this one. And that sucks. It's fine. I get it, but it sucks. And I'm hurt and I'm in, I'm embarrassed by that because he meant more to me at the time. He meant more to me and I wouldn't have done that to him. Even in the end, when we were going our separate ways, when things were starting to go south, I can say with full confidence that I respected him and our relationship enough that I would not. I would not have been the bull in his china shop. I would have been the closed sign. I would have been the, you know, be back tomorrow, maybe sign. But never, ever the devastating bull that destroyed the china and the crystal and everything in between and ran straight to the guy in the funky hat. How empty of me. Like, just think about it. How empty of me it was to be so full of someone else. Now, I'm not going to get into the full story, but my relationship with John, it's not some long romantic fairy tale, but it was intense and it was fast. Sometimes I think we move quickly So we don't have to think about what it is that we're doing. We just kind of react to it and hope that we don't have to acknowledge the consequences of it later. We just kind of hope that it all works out because we don't want to have to think about it. And, And that's what we did. And John probably still lives that way. I think I know him well enough to say that he probably does live that way. He's very much a fly by the seat of your pants type of guy. 
But I've learned to think things through a little more to kind of slow things down. I've grown to be less reactionary. And the truth is, I think we mature, but not so much with age. I think we mature with damage. Because of all of this, I think that I've matured a lot. I think I've, I've grown a lot. But at the rate that he was going, he's got about five more years left in him before he gets just downright dangerous with his spontaneity. Our relationship, it wasn't bad. It, it really wasn't. I think it was, it was honestly pretty fucking good. We had a lot of fun and there was a lot of love and it was just you know, boom, 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 one thing after another. We were just doing all this fun stuff. We were going on all these adventures. Just, it was like perfect. It was only the end that was horrifying. There at the very end, you know, we had, we had a mutual friend set us up. Understand that I get a lot of DMs. I get a lot of random messages, but to this day, that was probably the most random message I've ever received in my entire life. I thank the world of this girl and her beautiful new little family that she has. But anyway, she reached out because I literally just graduated with my master's degree and I had just gotten out of a long term, long distance relationship that that it was bound to end. I think he and I cared about each other, but it was just kind of like. It, it just wasn't going to work out. We all knew it. Nobody was really surprised about when it officially ended. I mean, not really me, kind of. It kind of sucked. It happened, but I just graduated. I just got out of this long-term, long-distance relationship. I was starting my career. I was doing all these things. And so she reached out to me and was like, hey, I have like one of my really good guy friends is single. He'd been single for a while. And she was like, I think you guys should meet. Like, I think you would be a really good fit. And for the most part, I believe we were, but I ended up learning a lot there at the end. I don't regret a single moment of it. I'm really thankful that she brought us together because it didn't end like we had hoped it would, but I'm, I'm glad that it happened nonetheless. But long story short, when things started to go south, John had asked me to move in with him, which I wasn't comfortable with, but ended up doing anyway. I um, was renting at the time. Me and Arlo lived in a three bedroom, two bath, two car garage and I was renting and I was living in this like up and coming neighborhood and apparently in the very fine print of my rental agreement said that if my landlord sold the house, then I would have to move and he would place me somewhere else. So there was a period of like two months that I moved six times. My landlord just kept moving me down the street and it just got to be very, very stressful. So John asked me to move in with him because, I mean, every time he would come pick me up, it was at a different place. But he asked me to move in and I wasn't really comfortable with it, which should have been (laughs) a red flag. at Like that should have been obvious at the first. But I come from a very old fashioned, very conservative traditional family. And I just assumed that the moment that I brought it up to my mom and stepdad that I would have been taken out of the will. Like I just didn't even want to consider it because I knew that they would say no, that it wasn't a good idea. But what happened surprisingly is that it took both John and his family and then my family who wouldn't even let me sit on the same couch with a boyfriend growing up. It took all of them to assure me that moving in with John was a great idea. 
and that he wouldn't have asked me if he didn't have something bigger in mind because that's just who he is. I mean, he isn't or he wasn't at the time a relationship type of person and that by him asking me to live with him, that was a big deal. And that, you know, we loved each other so much and that it was obvious that we were going to end up together and it just didn't make sense for us not to do it, especially since I was literally moving into a new house every other week. So off I hesitantly go to John's house. I, like, I guess we're living together now, right? And that that should have been that should have been a, a giant red flag for me that I had to be convinced into moving in with my boyfriend, whom I loved very, very much. But I think at that time, my rose colored glasses made me think that maybe everyone else was seeing something that I wasn't. And I thought that I was only being hesitant because that's how I was brought up, even though my parents, my mom and stepdad were telling me to do it. I thought that was why I had to be convinced of doing it, but I loved him and I trusted my heart that day and I didn't trust my gut. And ultimately, I don't regret it. John and I, we lived together for a while. It was awesome. I got to host meals with friends and family. I got to decorate for all of the seasons. We had a giant ass fucking Christmas tree. It was amazing. I loved it. I didn't think I would love it, but I did. And then I got to do all that. Then John and I started having serious discussions about when and where we were planning on getting married. Um, We were talking about rings. We were talking about sizes. We were talking about like venues and honeymoons and when we wanted to have kids. We were discussing our kids names and where they would go to school, like everything everything. We were planning on building onto our house. Like we were having these discussions and it was quick. Again, it was quick because everything moves quick when you're on John's train, but why stop now, right? And then things started to go very, very south, very, very quickly, just as they arrived. You see, the thing about moving in with someone you're dating, which isn't a bad thing at all, but When you're moving in with someone that you're dating, especially so quickly, is that you're never really allowed time for all of the other dust to settle before you start kicking up another storm. Another thing about moving in with someone you're dating is that even though it's not a permanent thing, it's pretty fucking close. When you're with a fly by the seat of your pants type of person, they don't do well with permanence. Even if they're the ones that initiated the whole fucking situation in the first place, they don't do well with permanence. They, they do well with spontaneity. That's why we had one conversation after another. That's why I moved in. That's why, you know, all these things happened back to back is because that's how things go with the flob out of the seat of your pants type of guys, type of people. And that makes sense. You know, you can't be upset about that. You can't be mad at a clown for acting like a fucking clown when you keep going to the circus. It's just who they are. If you're a fly by the seat of your pants type of person, why would you want to feel like your wings are clipped? Even though you kind of put yourself there in that position, why would you want to feel like that? So in the middle of all of this, when I was with John, I had, I was going through my own personal battles too. I was in a dark spot in my life. I was really sad and really anxious. And whenever you're in those quickly moving relationships, those kind of situations, and you're already sad and anxious, being in that kind of environment, being in that kind of relationship is not very helpful. But I I was doing the best that I could 
at that time. John was a bright light that I could cling on to, even though now, you know, looking back on it, (laughs) it was more of like a flickering nightlight that was running out of juice. But it seemed like a bright light at the time. And he was aware of all of this. I'm a completely transparent person, almost to a fault, but he was aware of it. And for the most part, he was supportive. But that sad girl, that anxious girl, she deserved love too. Because she was struggling, like she was really fucking struggling. And the person who asked me to move in with him, they were supposed to be my support system. That's that's kind of what you sign up for when you live with someone. And I didn't really have that all the time with him. It was only kind of when it was convenient. And ever since I've learned that we all deserve someone that will love us completely, even on our bad days, even when we are at our absolute worst, we deserve someone who gives a shit about us because that's the most foundational thing about love, right? Is to have someone actually give a damn about you when you're having a hard time giving a, giving a shit about yourself. I never really know how to feel about how it all went down there at the end. I just know That even though I'm over it and and listen, sis, I've been over it. I'm still recovering from it. There's still like that that trauma that I'm having to deal with. It's it's not PTSD, but it kind of seems that way. You know, we we both have our faults. We both had things that we were dealing with and struggling with. And because of how quickly things moved with us and how fast paced everything was, we were still trying to learn about each other too, which made things hard. But There is no textbook sign or symptom as to whether or not something should end or it shouldn't end, I guess. It just does. It just stops. And what it all boils down to, I believe, is there's a single choice to make as to whether or not something stops or something doesn't. That choice is whenever you come to an obstacle, whenever you come to a situation or there's something that needs to be addressed, which there will be plenty. I mean, no relationship is immune to that. No relationship is immune to problems. But whenever it comes to that time when you're having to address something, acknowledge something, the choice you have to make is that there has to be a compromise there. And within that compromise, that's that's the choice. You can't ask to work on things, to work on your relationship and rely on one person to do all the heavy lifting, to carry the burden. You, you're not going to grow together or individually if you're just pushing all of the work onto one person. I'm not saying relationships are 50-50. They're never going to be 50-50. Some days they're going to be 60-40. Some days they're going to be 80-20. It's never going to be 50-50, but there has to be that choice to compromise. And when one person doesn't want to compromise, their choice is to not compromise, but to push everything else onto another person, that's when it ends. That's when it hurts. That's when the pain sets in because one person is working to make something work that they that they want. One person is putting in the effort while the other is refusing to change. And then somehow it ends up being one person's fault and not the other. And that's what happened. And that sucks. It, it sucks. It, it hurts. 
and we've all been there, but it hurts to be the person to try to communicate, to say, this is what bothers me. This is where I'm feeling a lack. Uh, this is where I'm feeling depleted and nothing happened. Um, I think they call that gaslighting, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know how to feel about it. I'm still trying to figure that out. And it's not my job to have all the answers, but it, it is my responsibility to heal from it. And I'm just still trying to figure out what, what that is. Sometimes I think that maybe in his own way, he was trying to make my life better and vice versa. And we, we both just missed the memo. Sometimes I think that I just wasn't a priority. You know, <laughs> come to think of it, I'm not, damn, I'm not sure that I've ever been a priority in any relationship that I've ever been in. Fuck. That's, that sucks. That's a shitty feeling right there. Damn. Yeah, I don't like that. But anyway, anyway, whatever the case may be, we all deserve someone who thinks that we are too fucking important to lose. We all deserve someone who, who is willing to try, who is willing to understand, who is willing to listen, who is willing to put their heart on the line just as much as they are asking us to, just as much as we are. You know, not not just someone who just abandoned you with some compliment fucking sandwich and, and a broken crystal. And that's where I'm fucked up. And I don't really know if this makes any sense because I'm I'm still talk, like talking through it right now. But that's where I'm fucked up. I'm not saying that John never loved me. I, I'm not saying that at all. I think he I think he did. And I think he did very much. But what I'm saying is that I never really felt loved by him. And I don't think that he was ready for someone like me, like Crystal on the top shelf at Tiffany. I don't think he was ready. I think he wanted it, but I don't think he was ready. And I think he knew that because the knockoff acrylic and plastic crystal, they don't fucking shatter. That's the easy stuff. That's the starter set and the placeholder you know, as you're still trying to work through your own shit until you go to the vault at Tiffany's where I'm at. Now, I'm not discounting other women at all, but I think people like John who don't know what they want, they just kind of bounce around to things that maybe they don't really need to take care of, that they don't need to put effort in until they figure it out. And I don't think that he was ready for all the promises that he made with someone like me. I think that he wanted them. But he wasn't ready for them. And because of all those promises, that's where I'm also fucked up. Because everything, even the best parts, it just all feels like a like a fucking lie. And now I trust no one and nothing. And still, two years later, it is something that I'm trying to recover from. And it's hard for me to talk about it because if there's one thing that I've grown to understand and appreciate is that even if a person leaves, the lesson stays. And that is the absolute, and I mean the absolute last fucking time I will let someone derail my life like that. Because the recovery and the rehab for this heart muscle is taking forever. Too fucking long for me. Hear me when I say this. If you can survive the heartbreak and the abuse, you can sure as shit survive the recovery. And this battle was mine. You know, for all the people, 
in the world for Scott Daddy to use to break my heart. It had to be this fucking guy and whoever he ends up with, you know, I I do wish him the best. I do. Now, I'm not going to say that they're better than me, but they're probably better for him. Fly by the seat of your pants, guys. You know, they prefer placeholders and I'm not a placeholder because I'm I'm the crystal set at Tiffany's anyway. So where does that leave me now? Well, that's an interesting fucking question, isn't it? And will require a part two, I'm afraid. So I promise not to make you wait another month until that comes out. I can say that because I've already started working on it. I just need to finish editing it. So if you give me about a week or so, I will have part two out. And I promise you're going to like what that episode has in it. I'm actually really excited for it. I think you're going to enjoy it. So I will see you guys over there next time. Mm -hmm.